Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clear Path Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, We're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned and thanks for joining. Are you doing good this morning? Yes. Somebody asked me this morning how I was doing, and I was like, oh, I'm pretty darn good right now. <laughs> so I'm very grateful. Um, God is just doing some wonderful things. And um, I, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I have a word for you this morning that is, that is not a new word, but I do believe it's, it is a now word. It's a really cheeky way to say it. Um, but I want to just kind of tell you the word at the beginning, is that I believe that God has marked this community and called us to be a holy people. I believe that God has marked this community and he has called us to be a holy people. How many believe that? And so, Lord, I just pray right now, this morning, that you would open us up to your holiness and the holiness of the call that you have for us. I pray that you would make us aware that you're drawing us deeper. In Jesus' name. I I got a call from somebody yesterday that I don't talk to very often person who's been a pastor for many years, and um, I I don't speak with them, you know, I would go years without talking to them, but I respect their walk with the Lord and what they have to say. And they they gave me a word, they they were listening to a message, and they called and said that the name of our church came to mind, and that they felt like that they had to be obedient to call me to tell me what they heard. And, And he said, are you open? Are you open to hearing what it felt like the Lord was saying? And I said, of course. And, and so he shared um, really simply. He just said, I feel like that your community has been on a journey. And it's been a winding journey. And he said, and that's an interesting thing with the name of Clear Path. Um, but he said, uh, I, I feel like that the Lord is very pleased with the journey that you've been on. He wasn't speaking this just to me. He was speaking this just to the body. He said, I feel like the Lord is pleased in your faithfulness. And the, the last thing he said was, and I feel like you've been through a season of great, great sifting, and God is moving you in a time where he is shifting you. And that felt like a, he didn't know what we're going, what's going on in our, in our community or anything about that. That feels like a generic word, but I felt like as soon as he spoke it, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, that is a now word. That for many of us in this community, it has been a season of shift, of sifting. How many of you have felt the sifting of God? He, he does that. He does refining times. But I, I, what, what the word was, was the season of sifting is over. And, and actually the main word that he gave... Um, that I, that I mentioned, forgot to mention, was that God just has us in his hands. Yeah. 
And I believe that's where we're at. And I think that he is, he is inviting every person here on a journey. I think that there's something special about what God has done with this place. And I think he's inviting all of us on the journey. When we gave, we did our uh, commitment Sunday with the fund, my mom, I asked my parents to share um, because of their financial partnership, I asked them to share. And my mom was reminded of when we began the church and she felt, she remembered the Holy Spirit saying, this is about what I, you know, what I want to do with Jordan and Andrea. And then when she, when she was here, she said she realized that this really wasn't about us. This was about what God wanted to do with this community. And I believe that God is planting this community right now. And I believe that, that there's an invitation to come out of sorting and sifting and into being positioned where God has you. And I, I, I believe that that's, a, I know that's a simple word, but I believe it's a, it's a timely word. And, and so part of that positioning, I have been praying about probably for years, but for several months, starting a series on holy. And I don't even think I want to call it a series because I don't have like a six-week end time or eight-week end time. I just feel like the Lord spoke to me in relationship to how we relate to our culture, how we relate to God's call in our lives. I felt like the Lord said, I want you just to speak for a really long time. Um, it may be months, it may be year. I have no idea. But on, on the calling to be holy. And I believe, I believe it's, a, it's a timing. This is a timing word. And so um, I want to start unpacking that this week. And... I think that God's, he is drawing us here into being holy people. How many can say amen to that? So, I, uh, um, there's this Old Testament prophet who gives us some thought briefly about the word holy. His name is Ezekiel. And Ezekiel lived in the time of the end of Israel and Judah's reign in Jerusalem, in the land that they were called and God positioned them. He saw the uh, conquest and he saw the exile of Israel out of the land that they were live, abiding and living into another land. And, and so he, he actually never got to, in his lifetime, return back to God's place for Israel. But during the end of his life, as he prophesied, most of his life that he prophesied, nobody listened to him. And which is an interesting calling of these prophetic voices is that often God would give them words and they would be alone. Um, and, but at the end of his life, he began to get these prophetic pictures and words that were, that were, seeing that God was going to draw Israel back to its home, that he was going to make a place for his presence to dwell, and that he would rebuild the city of God. Um, and, but, but he never, you know, he didn't get to see this in li his lifetime. And so during the life of Ezekiel, as they were drawn away, you have to remember that they had a temple where they worshipped, and there were sacrifices made, 
that were outlined in the first five books of the Bible that Israel was supposed to do these sacrifices. Well, I don't get into all of them. They're supposed to do all these different sacrifices that were a worship to God and a reminder of their call to be holy. And so when they were when they were became captive, when they were exiled away, um, the worship of the entire nation had to change because they no longer had the place where these sacrifices could be offered in worship. Um, and, and so at the end of this ministry, he's speaking about this glory that's going to return and this, this rebuilding that's going to happen. And within that prophetic writing at the, at the end of Ezekiel's life, I want to draw your attention to a verse. And I've actually taught on this verse a number of times at ClearPath, it's been a number of years, but I want to draw our attention to it to frame our conversation initially. It says in Ezekiel 44, 23, as, as the city is going to be rebuilt and as the temple is going to be rebuilt, then God is going to raise up the priests again and the priests are going to be ministers to God and ministers to people and they're going to make sacrifices. And part of the role of the priest is this, and they shall teach my people the difference or in other translations, it says to delineate or distinguish between the holy, oh, this is, this is not in the NIV or in the NKJV. This is a different translation. It does not say holy and unholy. It says holy and common um, and cause them to discern the difference between the unclean and clean. So for reference, we look at most of the translations here. Of course, we put one up here that, that was different, but I, uh, no, no, no uh, these guys do an incredible job, but the, the translation here is there is the holy and the common and the clean and the unclean. I actually realize I put that translation in my notes, so it's my fault. Um, but, but I want you to see this, that the priests were called to make a delineation between that which is holy and common and that which is clean and unclean. Are you with me? And so... The word here actually harkens back to two other scriptures. One is an earlier rebuke from Ezekiel where God is uh, he's speaking to the priests at the end of, of Israel's reign about how they don't do this. How they are, you're not you know, delineating between the holy and common and you aren't delineating between the unclean and clean. And it also calls back to this uh, calling in Leviticus where the priests were initially called to delineate between the holy and the common, the unclean and the clean. And so even in Leviticus, the Lord speaks to them. He says, when you enter the sanctuary, when you enter the most holy place, I do not want you to drink wine so that you can actually do this thing well. I don't want you to be inebriated when you come into the place because you have to be able to delineate between these things. And so... Um, what is holy and what is common? Some of this is refresher, but I want us to I want to set the conversation here. Simply put, something that is holy is set apart. Everybody say holy. Yeah. Something that is holy is set apart. And so God actually gave us these wonderful visual expressions in, in Israel's worship, where they had certain holy things and certain common things. Like how many of you have ever heard of anointing oil. We pray for, so there was a, there was very specific prescription of how anointing oil was to be made. And there was anointing oil. Then there was oil that you cook with. 
The anointing oil was holy, and the oil that people cooked with was common. Everybody with me there? So there's incense. There was holy incense, and there was common incense. And then I, I want to drill down to food for a minute, because this helps you to understand all the, all the categories that are being spoken of here. There was holy food that was the food that was to be brought in sacrifice or the, the food that was, uh, that was going to be for the, the Levites. There was uh, common food, which is food that everybody would eat. And then there was unclean food. There was food that they weren't supposed to eat. Does, there, does this make sense? So there's common, holy, unclean, all of these, all of these different things. And I want to see this, and, and this was the message I, I preached on some years ago. I want to see that this, this distinction is really important because it's one of the distinctions in Scripture that really transformed my life. In fact, I would say this word holy, is, it's been like one of those words that's like a blessing to me and a haunting to me whenever I'm not living up to its, its standard. But this distinction was really important to me in that Holiness, the opposite of holiness is not uncleanness, it's commonness. The distinction between holiness is the holy and the common. It's very easy for us to assume that the opposite of holiness, especially if we've grown up in the church world, that the opposite of holiness is our sinfulness. But that's not the distinction. The, uh, the distinction between Holiness is commonness. We often spend our lives chasing for things that are good, fine, and acceptable, trying to avoid things that are unclean and sinful, but never, almost never, focusing on the holy. I believe that God has called us to something more than just living a clean life. He has called us to live a holy life. And there is a lie that has emerged in the thinking of our culture that everything is holy. I've heard Christian teachers speak it without even comprehending what it is that they're saying. Everything is not holy. There are things that God says, this is a holy thing. There are common things. There are unclean things. Amen. Amen. I, I do believe that there is a holy way to approach all the simple and mundane things we do, but that doesn't mean that automatically, just because we're doing simple and mundane things, that we're approaching them as holy. And I believe that one of our callings as priests before God is to demonstrate to the world in the distinction of our lives, the difference between what is common and what is holy. Everybody with me? I want to press further into this thought to give it for us. Um, I, I actually believe that the reason that there's been this notion or this impulse to call everything holy is because there's a deep unsettledness in our heart. That we want, we want the more. We want the something in us that's 
that's looking for the divine calling, that's looking for what God has for us. There's a longing for holy, and so there's an unsettledness in us, and we try to settle that by just saying, okay, everything is holy. And you can approach everything with holiness, but not everything is holy. So let me um, drill further into this. I'll just open the scripture for this. This will be easier. Um, the first, I want to show you the first time the word holy is mentioned in scripture. It's, it's very early. <laughs> Hint. It's in Genesis chapter 2. And when you're in Genesis 1, how many of you love Genesis? I love Genesis. There's this repeating statement that I've referenced before. When God gets to the end of the day, like when he um, created light, what did he say? He looked upon the light and saw that it was what? Yeah, yeah when he, um, let's keep going here. So when he got to the end of creating the dry land and the earth, what did he say? He saw that it was good. When he, when he created all the, the vegetation, it says that he looked and saw that it was good. Even when he created, you know, man, it says that he saw that it was good. So all these, there's six days of creation, and I think out of five of the six, it, the, the explicit statement is that, that what he created was good. But I want you to see the tone shift in Genesis chapter 2. This is the first time holy is mentioned in the Bible. It says, when the heavens and earth and all the host of them were finished, on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and, on the seventh, and rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it and made it holy. For on that day, he, his work, which he got had created, on that day, he rested from all the works which God had created, with all his work, which God had created and made. Okay, so I want you to see this. The days are good. The days are good. He gets the, at the end of each day, he says, this day is good. When he gets to the seventh day, he says it's holy. That is a different thing. That is a different thing. There is a difference between what is good in your life and what is holy in your life. There are good things that are common and there are holy things we're called to. Does this make sense? Let me just keep going. Okay, here's the main part of the message I want to focus on. Deuteronomy 26, 18 through 19, it says this. The Lord has declared this day that you are his holy people. This is God speaking to Israel. His treasured possession as he promised and that you are to keep all his commands. He has declared that he will set you in praise and fame and honor high above all the nations. He has made and that you will be a whole people holy to the Lord God as he promised. And so God picks Israel as a holy nation. He picks Israel as a, a holy nation. And this is like his longing since the beginning of creation. He desires for a people that will come together and be his dwelling place and be a holy people. As we move through Genesis, in Genesis 1 and 2, we see the creation story. Then we see 
the story of the flood and all these unholy people, one holy person, Noah, who is preserved. And then we see this picture. Genesis gives us this picture that all the nations of the earth and their languages and all their different, you know, all the different people are created by God for a purpose. Like that's the, that's the picture we see. And then when we get to Genesis 11 though, we see that God is looking for a holy people. And so among all the nations of the earth, he picks Abraham and he gives Abraham this promise and he says, from you, I'm gonna make a people who will become a nation and these nation, this nation will bless all the people of the earth. And they will be a holy people. Now, the Lord reaffirms that promise that he gave to Abraham centuries later in Deuteronomy when he says, the Lord will send you a blessing on your barns, on everything you put your hand to. The Lord God will bless you in the land he is giving you. This is him speaking to Abraham's offspring. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as, his pro as he promised you on oath, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to them. Then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. So God promises to a man, I'm going to give you a nation. He reaffirms that promise and says, I'm looking for a holy people. So keep fast forwarding through the story. That people never lived up fully to that calling. And thousands of years later, Jesus comes onto the scene, the Holy One who lives a sinless life, not devoted to the common things, but to a life of holiness. And this holy man is killed by unholy man, only unholy men. He is, gives his spirit into the hands of the Father. He says, authority has been given to me to lay my life down, to pick it up. He picks up his life, is raised from the dead. He is ascended on high, seated next to the Father, and the Spirit of God is poured out upon a people who are praying. The Holy Spirit is poured out on a people who, when the Holy Spirit comes in them and on them, they become a holy people. Like, Here's God since the first moment that man sins, and he's looking for one thing. He's looking for a holy people. But the holy people can't be the holy people without the what? The Holy Spirit. Because we need God to make us holy. I want you to see how big this idea is of being a holy people in the New Testament. When Paul addresses the church in 1 Corinthians 1, he calls them a holy people. In 1 Corinthians 2, he addressed them as a holy people. In Ephesians 1, he opens by addressing them as a holy people and then says it over and over again in Ephesians. In Thessalonians, in Philippians, in Colossians, in Philemon, in all of the writings, he is addressing them as a holy people because God is looking for a holy people. In Jude and in Revelation, the writers of Hebrews, all of these texts, the people of God are addressed as what? A holy people. Do you realize that, I, I'll, look, I'll read to you what Peter says. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, 
Boy, that is powerful. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is so profound that every New Testament writer uses this phraseology. A holy people. Do you realize how little, like, the way that Paul and Peter and John write things is, are, are, is so different. Like, they're saying the same things, but they use lots of different language. But they all call the people of God a holy people. God is not, I, I want us to get this, that we're called to be a holy people, not a common people. This is our identity as the family of God. You once were not a people, and now you're a holy people. God is not just looking for holy persons. He already had a holy person. His name is Jesus. Like, he already had that. That's already been done. What he's looking for is a holy people, the church to mature in love and become what we were destined to be. If you're sitting around and asking yourself, is there more to this life? Yes. Big yes. Is there more to this life? Is there more that God's called me to? Everybody say yes. Yes, yes there's more. God has called us to be a holy people. So what in the world does that look like? How do I live uncommonly devoted to him? I, I believe that God wants to, in this room, Toby's saying about in the last days, they will prophesy, they will dream dreams, they will see visions. I believe that in this room, God wants to fill people's dreams tonight in, in this life on how you are called to be holy. I believe that God wants to fill our prayers in the morning with a call to be holy. I believe that God wants to fill the conversations with our friends and spouses about the call to be holy. Like my brother had this word that the Lord gave him like a year ago. He said, you've entertained yourself long enough. We've entertained ourselves long enough. God is calling us into holiness. It needs to fill our sleeping. It needs to fill our waking. It needs to fill our conversations. It needs to fill our imaginations of what it would look like to be a holy people. I don't have the answer of what it looks like, but I know that God, since the beginning of time, has been looking for a holy people. And every single one of his apostolic fathers at the beginning of the age of Christianity said, address the church as God's holy people. And I'm addressing you this morning as God's holy people. And we need to figure out in prayer by the Spirit how to live up to the maturity of that calling. I've seen glimpses of it through many people here. But I see people going to the streets to pull people out of despair into hope. I see people taking in the orphan and giving the orphan a home. 
I see people dedicating hours of prayer and waking up at three in the morning to intercede and seek God. I see people being called to the highest places of influence and success to be an uncommon voice like Daniel and Joseph. I see other people letting go of great salaries and money to pursue the call that God has for them. I see people going to the neighbor to daily love them and to sacrifice for them. I see people being called to the nations to serve. Like God is calling us to be a holy people. I can't tell you exactly what it looks like, but I can tell you it doesn't look common. We have to believe that God has called us to something more than a surface level belief in God and just existing. We like that has to gnaw at us. Like it, it, it should, it should call you. It should bother you. It should comfort you. It should stay with you that you are called to be a holy people. And I want to be unrelenting in that pursuit in my weakness, in my mistakes, in my missteps, to a call to raise up a holy people. There needs to be a tension in our life around holiness. I, if there wasn't something more than that, I would be done preaching and I would go figure out a way to make millions of dollars. That would be my goal. But I don't care about that. Because God has called us to be a holy people. Making money can be a holy thing too. I'm not, that's not. <laughs> everything can be. Not everything is. So, like, why? Why? Why live a holy life? Why? Would you sacrifice your comfort and ease? Why would you wake up at three in the morning? Why would you take an orphan? Why would you go to the street to pull out those who are hopeless? Why do any of that? What are, what's the point? Because our lives are meant to be set apart for the worship of Jesus. Period. Our lives are meant to be set apart for the worship of Jesus. But I believe that many of us here are setting apart our lives for ourselves. We divide and organize our schedules so that it'll work best for us. I felt, as I was praying this morning, that as soon as I said that, you would know. There would be people that would know, I've set my life apart for myself, not for the Lord. I just knew immediately the Lord was going to, it was like he was going to strike people. I believe that God is calling us to set our lives apart for him. Not ourselves. It's as simple as that. This isn't about your self-development, being an incredible version of you. All those things will happen as a byproduct. This is about our lives set apart for Jesus. Am I setting my life apart for myself or am I allowing God to set my life apart for him? Now, I'm not saying I do this perfect. 
I'm not, I don't think there's probably anybody in here who's doing a flawless job. But there is a core driver of, of our life, I think, at times. And I believe that God, that, that God is wanting to, to ah, I believe that God is wanting to confront some people today to say you're living your life to set it apart for yourself. Come set it apart for me. And if you do that, you'll see what happens. You'll see my hand. This is Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer, like, do you under, like, when I read that, every time I read that, that verse hits me like an eternal weight. I don't know how to explain it. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So what is Paul saying there before I jump to the next part? He's saying, look how merciful he is. Look how incredibly awesome and loving he is. In view of that, you should offer yourself as a living sacrifice because it's not going to be a bad deal. <laughs> you are not as good or as wise or as merciful. And so Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do you want to know what your worship is? This is your worship. I don't, you can, you can paint, sing, business, do whatever you want. This is your worship. Living sacrifice is your worship. Everything else is just the color that it comes through. And it's genuine and it's beautiful. But we cannot miss that our lives is a living sacrifice. That is the true and proper worship. I had this thought to share this. If you're, if you're here at ClearPath, you're probably a little different, maybe a little weird. <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you weren't a bit on a different journey. You're like, I'm not weird. I'm very normal. I'm giving you some self-awareness here. I believe... I can't speak to, I don't have, my voice is not to, to the thousands. My, my voice is here amongst you guys. And I believe that he has called us here in this time to be a holy people. We can be something uniquely different. I do not know how to tell you to do it. I know that God is calling us into holiness. Not just to be holy persons, but to be a holy people. Amen? I mean, how many of you want to do that? Like, at nothing else. This is what Paul, like, I urge you. He's like, dude, all the other people are not merciful. All the other gods you can serve. Money is not merciful. It's ruthless. That's why Solomon says, don't set your, when it comes to you, it comes to you, but don't set your eyes on it because as soon as it's there, it'll be gone. All the other rulers of this world are ruthless and unmerciful. And, and Paul says, I urge you, in light of God's mercy, present your lives as living sacrifice. This is your holy and acceptable worship. It is going to be better his way. 
Amen? Amen. Okay, so this is the gap here, and I'll finish with this thought, and I actually am done, is Hebrews 10, 14 says, this is speaking of Jesus, by, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. This is a two-part sentence. You have been made perfect and holy, and you're being made perfect and holy. There, it's, we often rest in the past tense of what Christ has done on the cross without allowing the spirit to keep tension in our hearts towards where he's taking us. God has made, God is making holy those who have already been made perfect. So have, have you been made perfect in Christ? Yes. yes. Are you still being made holy? Yes. That's the, that is the invitation of holiness is that we live in the work that is already completed. And yet we live with this tension of the Holy Spirit leading us further into holiness. So I'm, I'm asking you, don't get in the shame game. I'm saying this right now as a pastor. Don't, oh, I haven't done enough. I'm, I'm a terrible parent. I just did it. Did, I don't do anything. Don't do any of that. None of that's helpful. God is merciful. I'm saying, allow the Holy Spirit to breathe in you a desire for greater holiness. Don't get in this lower level speculation about yourselves. It's never fruitful. How many of you, that's turned some awesome, how many turned, that's worked out for you? Like just assessing yourself really, really hard. I don't know anybody it works out for. But the Holy Spirit is great at searching our hearts. And he's great at calling us into holiness. And I believe it's a time. I, I don't know how to tell you what it looks like. I've seen it. This is what the priests do. They distinguish between the holy and the common. And when I see the holy, I see it. How many of you have seen holy? And you go, oh my gosh, that is holy. That's not just good and acceptable. That is holy. If we kept reading in this verse, there's the good, acceptable, and perfect plan of the Lord. There's like, I feel like God is inviting us up into holy. Amen? Amen? So it's holiness is a designation that's already been happened in the work of Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection by the power of the Spirit. And it is a work that's happening in process in your life now if you're willing to follow. So I just uh, want to ask us to stand. I feel like this calls for everybody. I just want us to pray that God would deepen the desire to be holy. Let's just open our hands and just pray right where you're at that he would make us a holy people. Guess what? You're praying with a whole room full of people who haven't figured this out. So let's just pray. God would mature us. He would complete us. He would make us holy. God, make this body holy. Just pray with me right now, out loud. Come on. Holy Spirit, make us holy. Make us a holy people who are set apart to do the works of God in the earth, Lord. I pray that we would be those that would live as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, this true worship. God, make us a holy people, Lord. You see us as a holy people, so make us come into the way that you've designed for us, God, right now, Lord.
In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this episode from Clearpath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.clearpathdallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at Clearpath Dallas. Thanks for listening. Yes.